Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. How's it going, guys? How was your weekend? Even though we're in the middle of what, towards the end of the week, because we haven't seen each other since Thursday, first weekend. Monday. It's, it's all blurred, man. It's just busy. Just busy? Busy weekends. Busy? busy? Kids around. <laughs> <laughs> What's Austin? Oh, you went to Austin? Weekend. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how was oh, that? Oh. That was your first time? Oh, that was your first time. We first talked time about barbecue. Yeah. That's right. We talked about barbecue. Oh, okay, so. Blacks. Oh okay, uh, so you went to so Blacks. Went to Blacks. Barbecue. That was okay. really, really good. Everything there was perfect. Wouldn't change a damn thing. No, yeah. Beef rib was good. It was amazing. The brisket was amazing. The jalapeno cheddar sausage was amazing. And then their coleslaw was actually perfect. Really? Wouldn't change a thing about it. Nobody gives a shit about coleslaw. I but make, theirs, I make a good coleslaw. There's like a coleslaw. Mm, really, really good. Mm. And then I went to Salt Lake Barbecue. That okay. spot was pretty good. Okay. The only reason I went there was for their bison ribs. And that was the first time I've ever had bison it. ribs. That's what I said. That was a deciding factor. Okay, so how are those different different than the beef ribs? So the bison ribs, it's hard. It's hard to say because because I got the beef ribs there too, and okay. theirs is different than Terry's. That's right, yeah. But the bison rib, there wasn't a there. There was like a small bone mm-hmm. in it, and that was it. But the rest was just the muscle meat. There was some rendered fat. There was still a little bit of a connective tissue, mm-hmm. but they smoked theirs very well. So it was all very, a very good texture. Yeah. It's a little leaner okay. typically. Yeah. Okay. But theirs was really good. The texture was really good. The bark was really nice on it. The flavor was awesome. Any gaminess, like a like no. different flavor profile, the same flavor profile? I didn't get that. Okay. And I was actually eating a beef and bison ribs. Like and back so to back to back. Yeah. And <laughs> I actually preferred the bison ribs more than a beef ribs there. Because their beef ribs were a little bit tougher. I like mine to be a little bit more tender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their smoke wasn't there as much. Oh. Um, So I didn't enjoy it as much, but it was still good. Were you impressed at the size of the beef ribs? Dude, you were right, man. Was I lying, bro? Oh, man. So that one rib I got from Terry's was like 1.26 pounds. Dude, told you, bro. Dude. That was just one rib, and I was like... I probably should have got a second one, but it was a big-ass rib. Like, if you go to Austin and let's... one 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 rib, one right? Bone. One okay. bone. So here's the difference. If you're in San Diego, you go to yeah. Phil's Barbecue, right? And Phil's is probably one of the better places outside of Texas to get beef ribs. But even when you go to Phil's and you see their beef rib, like you'll get a three beef. They do like a three beef rib and a six beef rib dinner. The three beef ribs are good size, but together they're about the size of one of the ribs that you'll get at Terry Black's or La Barbecue or any mm-hmm. other places. That's the size difference. So I don't know what they're doing to their cows size-wise, but, man, it's Fred Flintstone. Oh, yeah. It totally is. It's like you can hear the music playing in the background yeah. while they deliver the rib, man. and you're just waiting for the table to tip, tip over type of thing, right? Yeah. I, I, I think there I got like – that was the very first place I ate at, and I got like a little over two and a quarter pounds of uh, barbecue. <laughs> and then when i went to salt lakes it was about it was over two pounds as well it was good i went to this place it was the only barbecue spot i didn't go to when i was out there but it was called bird bird biscuit and they have like fried chicken in a biscuit and their biscuits the best really best i've had they gave it come with a honey butter like some kind of a honey sauce so it had a super super slight kick for the non-spicy one okay. like the flavors the texture of the biscuit buttery it was mm. Oh. So good. Uh, I'll so put good. that on my agenda because I'll be there in November. So I'll make sure I get that. I get to there. Oh yeah, I'm going back for sure. 
I'm going back for sure. Yeah, because you need to get the barbecue. So you got to compare the it two. Was, it was actually between the barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Salt the other place. Oh, it's between, between Salt Lake and then. Oh, so Salt Lake is between those two locations. Well, no, I just, I just picked between those two. Oh, the between those. Oh, reason gotcha, on gotcha, what's gotcha, Salt Lake okay. was because of bison rib. Oh, that, that was it. Big difference. That was it. I'll have to check that out though. I've never yeah. had a bison rib, so it was I'm looking curious man. to check that out. Interesting. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I just got. I was in Toronto for a workshop, so that was pretty cool. That was my first time. Especially going up in Buffalo, going to Toronto was not a big deal. But that was my first time in almost 30 years since oh, I've been to dude. Toronto. Has yeah. it changed quite a bit? No, it was about the same. I guess uh, talking to Mark Liebert, because Mark Liebert, the creator of the Equalizers, was hosting the workshop. We're actually going to talk to him about possibly being a distributor for us north of the border. So that's nice. So for all of our Canadian listeners who are interested... To be continued. Hopefully, that'll be taking place. So, that'll save you guys a lot of money and make sticks more accessible up north. Yeah. We went downtown. Yeah. He said, other than traffic has gotten a little bit more people have kind of moved into the Toronto area. Toronto is, for the people who don't know, that's like the city in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's the New York City financial hub, fashion hub, all that stuff. But no, we had a great time. And yeah, the city, we were driving around and trying to think back to what I remember 30 years ago. But other than a lot more building around the outskirts that wasn't there 30 years ago yeah that was that was probably the only different thing so but no it was a good time and the weather was nice about 50 degrees during the day low 50s it was nice yeah yeah. you know me i dig that shorts t-shirt weather we were out saturday night people were kind of bundled up and i was like wow i guess this is Nice weather. Yeah, you would think they don't bundle enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's funny because even if you grow up into it, there's a lot of people that don't get used to it. Even yeah. if you grow up with yeah. it, right? for me, cold is more. It's like Wim Hof talks about, right? Mm-hmm. You can learn to regulate that, and you can learn to change your perspective on yeah. heat, yes. heat and cold, right? For me, cold has always been more mental than physical, right? Mm. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. So it's that type. Can you of do thing. that with 110 though? I've gotten better at it. Yeah, I have, yeah. and I have, and you. I still don't like it. It's not like, <laughs> like you were with me in Vegas. I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Because yeah. yeah. it was what one fifteen when we were in Vegas. Oh, one yeah, one fifteen. Yeah, one seventeen. Yeah. So it's not. I don't enjoy it. It's not like I'm like, "Woohoo, let me get out there." But yeah. it's like. Uh, you learn to tolerate it, you know, but, you know, especially like if you go over the Middle East and you're going to be there for a week, well, you better learn to tolerate it because this is the temperatures you're going to be yeah, in, right? Yeah. But at the same time, that's why there's so many malls over there because that's where people hang out. They just go there for the air conditioning, oh, yeah. you know, but Mark and I were talking about how, you know, we need those differences in temperature because we got to condition ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Systemically, we need those changes and sometimes... As a society, we get we've gotten really comfortable with being comfortable. Oh, because we got mm-hmm. AC units, AC units, heating units. We can regulate perfect, that, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. but it is kind of funny when you get people that are really accustomed to being in a controlled atmosphere. When they get out of those temperatures, their their reaction, right? Yeah. It's harder for them to deal with those. Well, living here too. I mean, we don't get a big variance. You don't get a much temperature, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you want, you go to Tahoe, right? Yeah, you yeah. go to Tahoe. Uh, like I can go to the temperature and then come back mm-hmm. and then I can, you know, so you can control where, where we're seeing that. For me, it's one of the kind of one of the downsides of living out here is because mm-hmm. you, you don't really get that contrast mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. But yeah. So, well, we're going to pick up continuation from our last episode. Last episode, we talked about internal hip rotation. So <laughs> this week we're going to talk about the benefits and importance of external hip rotation. So what is one of the benefits of having good external hip rotation or optimal, so to speak? Well, the way I look at that is more mostly stability when doing like a deep hip flexion type of movement. So 
or a squat or a deadlift or something where you need to actually get the glutes to stabilize that external you have to have some access to external rotation in some way shape or form but also to kind of fill your glutes because i feel like people that don't have really good external hip rotation they kind of miss a little bit of that link to knowing what it feels like to get their glutes to fire mm -hmm. but also that hip position to get their glutes to fire a little bit better so that access to that external rotation kind of has a lot to do with from those two exercises. Outside of that, there's a lot more at play, but from the stability part, just working with that deep <clears throat> position, that's where I feel like it kind of is important. So you're talking about that corkscrewing that we talk, tell people to do, to really get into that deep hip rotators and stabilizers, glutes activation when we're pushing weight away from the floor, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is a big key for people that don't train, they miss out on that, right? So when yeah. you get somebody that has, you know, chronically injured themselves when lifting objects off the ground or pushing objects away from the floor, you know, that's kind of one of the main factors that they're missing out on is just that subtle cueing, so to speak, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked a lot about internal rotation, but equally important is external rotation. Whether or not we work on it as much the other, like I don't work on external rotation as much. But overall, our hip has to rotate. Mm -hmm. So we need we need to have that ability to do all of it if we want a healthy hip. Yeah, because it's a ball and socket. So maybe sometimes people don't think about what the joint actually is in and of itself, right? So it is that ball and socket. So when you have a ball and a socket, it should have lots of movement skill set, right? It should. It's kind of interesting to see how limited some people's femoral head is in there. I mean, it just... Like you see people that don't have internal external rotation. So you're sitting there envisioning this ball and socket that just doesn't move. It just sits there. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, that can prevent you from just something as simple as getting on the floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which we know is with a lot of the aging population is a big issue for them is getting up and down off the floor. But just thinking of external rotation, just simple going up and down stairs. And how that affects that process or getting in and out of your car. Yeah. There's a task that we do, most people do on a regular daily basis multiple times, mm -hmm. right? That can also dictate which way you're better at externally rotating. Because if all you do is drive your car, yeah. well, then your left leg, for us here in the U.S., left leg is going to be externally rotated. If you're in the U.K., then it's going to be the other side. But if you're a passenger most of the time, then, of course, you're out, your right leg is going to externally rotate a lot more. Than your internal, than your left leg. So, yeah, getting people comfortable being able to sit on the floor and get up and off the floor with that external rotation is a is that is a big key principle for general population, big time. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who he used to drive like ten hours a day for work. Steve, Steve, yeah, 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 yeah. Steve, yeah. And um, his right foot mm -hmm. was just basically stuck like that because he would just you know he'd get so relaxed. Yeah, boom. Open up his hip, open up his foot. But he's strengthening because oh, he's pushing down on the accelerator. Micro so levels, attention. Right. But it was stuck like that. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because you sit and you talk about that. And we've I mentioned that before where when some people stand, you can tell if they drive a lot. Yeah. That like mm -hmm. at, at passive rest just boom, stays yeah. open. Yeah. Right. When we think about like a dancer's posture. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Great call. Actually, rotate because they're taught like that. duck feet, right? Yeah. So they're kind of stuck like that. Although most dancers, because they train so much, do have access to both internal, external rotation. There's just their standing posture ends up being 
out that They're way. used to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the foreign police come along and go, well, we can fix that. And you're like, well, I don't know. Do Watch them dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's not a lot that needs to be fixed. They move a lot better than we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to be to fix. Let's yeah. do, like, this lady just did a freaking triple axle and well, ah, like i think she's good yeah <laughs> like, i don't hear her complaining about it i think so <laughs> i think we just leave her alone or that guy alone they're they're pretty doing okay yeah. but from a lifting standpoint it's external diff- rotation is has a different role than from a movement standpoint so to yeah. speak right mm-hmm. with the external rotation oh well you talked about you don't train that as much don't. intentionally just that specific movement as opposed to internal and i'm the same way yeah but you're ray you train external a lot more yeah because i do a lot of squat deadlift or movements that are kind of similar or bilateral movements and so mm-hmm. for me like it's more important to i feel like it's important for me to train it not just from the aspect of like are my glutes actually firing because i use it as a little bit of a test and even sitting in a 90 90 if my front if my front knee is off the floor okay so i'm tight here so i need to yeah. i need to find out what's going on and work on manipulating that because what i notice is when and i see this with clients too mm-hmm. is that if they're missing external rotation on one side versus the other it immediately goes into their lower back yeah. and so yes. if they can if, there, if there's that lack of access to that external rotation or even just from this specifically from the stability standpoint then now we're looking at we're losing tension in certain areas so now we're getting up that chain into the back where we don't want to be at. so for me well, since i do lift a lot mm-hmm. My training around external rotation is a little bit higher, maybe than the average, maybe even more than I necessarily need. Yeah. But I don't look at it as it's not something I don't need access to, mainly because of what I do. It has to be there. I think it's important to be there. But that aspect of how well can I control it for that particular day, that's what mostly comes into play. I don't worry about the strength aspect of the external rotation. Oh, gotcha. Okay. The control aspect of how can I control and manipulate my hip in certain positions Mm -hmm. or certain degrees of hip flexion. Yeah. As soon as you're coming up beyond 90 degrees, all of a sudden that control kind of becomes a little bit more challenging for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah, we see that when we teach a course. Mm-hmm. You know, once as soon as we get people above that 90 degrees of hip flexion, that's when we get the ooh and the ah reactions when we're out doing our drills because people be like, oh my God, that's not something they typically work. Yeah. Right. Especially when one of my favorite drills is when we're getting people to abduct and adduct simultaneously with external and internal rotation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you'll see that when, especially when somebody doesn't have external rotation is they're abducting out or adducting in and then trying to externally rotate the, that's when you get the, Oh my God, you know, reaction. Cause they're like, you know, haven't really worked this before. Yeah. And looking at, and even like in relation to like the hip flexor tissues, that complex, they do work in hip flexion, but also external rotation, mm-hmm. kind of like the psoas or- Yeah, they're all tied in. All tied in. So if you're missing external rotation, more than likely you're having some kind of a leak in power or leak in control in one of those areas. Yeah, because we tend to try to isolate too many movements specifically, but everything is just- Tied in it's integrated. Yeah. Tied in together, right? So the thing about if you don't have external rotation and you don't have the ability to turn that femur outward, the effect through that posterior side up to up to into the spine like you talked about but that inability to really help move the pelvis around yes or mm-hmm. and or stabilize the pelvis because it's whatever you need at the specific moment right yeah people tend to get locked in on i really want to stabilize or i really want to mobilize and you're like you gotta be both yes right yes. and i think a lot of people are like it's we tend to go from one on one side or the other right yeah. 
And you're like, no, you, you got to find that balance of no one to stabilize the pelvis, but no one to move the pelvis at the same time so that the spine and the QLs especially aren't getting overstimulated, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, I think through the drills that we do, like the stick taps and then just getting into 90-90 for me, th those are kind of my checks. Yeah. So it's not that I don't train external rotation at all. It's more of like, hey, if, if I still feel really good with these, I don't really need to emphasize it as much so i'll still load it here and there like i'll do every now and then i'll do some weighted pigeons things like mm -hmm. that okay but it's the the ratio of of training internal to external is probably like two or three to one but so okay but let's take that from a golfing standpoint because mm -hmm. we have so many people that golf what is the what is more crucial for a golfer internal oh, or external rotation right yeah. so that's that's a big deal right so that's a big thing for yeah. versus somebody doing a yeah. lot of squatting and deadlifting where external is the more crucial quality right yeah but in climbing you know which which we like to do a lot mm -hmm. um, external rotation is very important because if you can't open your hips up on the wall right you get as close to the wall as you can yeah mm -hmm. So if there's a point where I, I ever lose that or I feel like I lose that strength, then it's like, okay, I need to go, I need to go back and I need to, to work on this so it's not a, you know, it doesn't mess up my technique on the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also when we have to stem mm -hmm. and really drive out, that's where you'll realize, oh, damn, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have that strength in external rotation, which I've experienced before, right? Yeah. That, as a stemming is now fun. Yeah. Like I love stemming. That's when you got push out there. That's like, that's like, oh yeah, I look kind of look forward to that because yeah. I can do it now. Whereas before I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cause what? a lot of times when you step up on the wall, like you're in full hip external rotation, yeah. mm -hmm. deep hip and knee flexion. And then you have to drive up off that leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so maybe I do train it more. Just but because you do, but you are, you're actually applying the training. It's not, but yeah, you're not intentionally sitting down yeah. and, and focusing on a specific external hip rotation drill. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's that's the difference there. And then you get it from hockey. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. But that's for me. That's why I train the internal more. Mm -hmm. Right. Because and my external on my left leg is much better than on my right because when I go up over the boards, when I'm getting off the ice, my left leg is what comes up high in deflection and then I throw it out over the board. So my left hip, external hip rotation is vastly better than my right. Right, right. Because I'm also, once my leg goes up there, mm -hmm. up on top of the board, I'm actually pushing down on it too to help let lever me over the boards. Wow. That's the downside of being five three. There's <laughs> <laughs> a shitty downside to that. So yeah. yeah. Whereas somebody that's like six six, they would just step over the board. Yeah. And me look literally I'm like throw and then push. <laughs> yeah. So I got that and then um, yeah so I'm kind of trying to launch myself from over the board when I get off the ice. So I'm trying to get do it quickly too. Right. So I got a teammate coming on. And I can't be on the other. Like, I got to get my ass off. So it's boom, boom, boom. Makes sense. So so a question I got is, do you think it's important to train external rotation for someone who has tight adductors? Do you feel like it's something that could potentially benefit it? Or do you think that's something that's not really important for that? I would say, yeah, because you got to think about why do they have tight adductors, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you we look at lines of pull, push and pull. Yes. If one thing is dominating, one thing is inhibited, then we get that sense of tightness, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have, we got first of all, see, okay, 
is it lack of range of motion in the adductors, right? Is this an actual short thing or is this a more of a neuromuscular thing? Yeah, I think yeah. that's the first thing we got to ask ourselves before we go stretching somebody's mm -hmm. adductors, right? Oh, let's Absolutely. stretch those. Okay, do they need to be stretched? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we put our legs up on the wall and we hold one leg and we push let one leg out to the side, does it have, how much abduction does it have? How much range of motion does it have? Is it 15, 20 degrees? Okay, we got to open that up you know is it yeah. way out there but you still feel that sense of tightness well then maybe it's something else right yeah is it that external rotation demand that you're that you're not getting mm -hmm. and so your your midline is trying to pick up that slack so to speak yeah yeah you know i, I try to think here with that one there it would if they can't sit on the ground mm -hmm. yes okay for sure mm -hmm. then i would yeah train the hell out of that yeah so they could sit on the ground but sometimes i've seen people overuse their adductors like let's just say we're doing split squats mm -hmm. yeah but they're 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 set up in a position of external rotation so then they have to use their adductors mm -hmm. they can't use their glutes because mm -hmm. they can't get into that internal rotation position so they're already stuck in it external rotation so every time they drive off that front leg it's like oh my adductors are killing me yeah it's like, well, because you're in that that position. Now, if you squared yourself up, you probably wouldn't feel that quite as much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, to, to look at if their adductors are tight, I think I'd have to be like in the butterfly or, or straddle or, mm -hmm. or something like that. If that's the case, what's one of your favorite positions then to tr retrain that, to get that inhibited side to, to kind of turn back on, so to speak? If the internal rotation was over dominant, so to speak. Oh, if external, oh. or the if you're always in external, I should say. First, see if you can just square up the hips, right? Square the hips up yeah. that way, because a lot of times they don't know that. Yeah, they just don't not know square. it's positional. Yeah, yeah. True. right. True. Yeah, you'll see some people stand and their hips are rotated. Yeah, they just don't know it because that's mm -hmm. they don't have this body awareness to understand their hips are rotated. They don't, they don't get it. You're like, turn your hips to the right, and they still turn. It's kind of funny when you <laughs> yeah. when you see somebody in rotation, let's say hypothetically to the left, right? Yeah. And you'll say, oh, turn your hips to the right. How many times they actually turn it farther to the left? Mm -hmm. You're like, no, your other right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then a lot of times they don't turn the hips. They'll turn the thoracic spine. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That connection with that area of their body is just not there. Because every time we get people down in the 90-90 in mm -hmm. our classes, we typically see them bias external rotation. Yeah. So that yeah. uh, that's where you see it right away, right there, just in that 90, or the, sorry, the half kneeling setup, not the 90-90. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 You yeah. see them open up because that's where they have much more stability. stability. Mm -hmm. So I think right from there, you can tell right away, like, hey, we need to train more internal rotation with right. this person. And, but that, like you were saying, though, it does carry over to the 90-90 because we typically get way more reaction from people in on the internal Inter rotated yeah, yeah. side for sure right? mm -hmm. yeah. and and that's for me personally too mm -hmm. yeah like me too. yeah mm -hmm. when i'm in the 90 90 my internal side is the one that's talking to me way before my external yeah like i'm like oh damn it's lighting up it's lighting up yeah. but you know for me if there's a moment where i'm starting to get a little get creaky in the low back when i really work on driving that internal rotational uh, a little bit more mm -hmm. uh, that to me is just more of a reminder of hey 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 you haven't you maybe you've skipped a session or two of mm -hmm. not doing this right yeah. and for whatever reason i'll be like oh shit i'll get in there and all of a sudden just mm. kind of let's go so you're like ah so yeah it's a big benefit of making sure that you're 
kind of balancing both, but it depends on really what, what you're looking activity you're trying to do. Right? I mean, ideally, man, you have equal range of motion, equal strength in both sides. Yeah. That's a perfect world right there. But mm-hmm. everybody yeah. says, you know, and, that's, <laughs> For and, that's, sure. and that's normal. But I was kind of wondering too, like, because with, with certain drills, like a good a good example, hip airplanes. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. clients do hip mm-hmm. airplanes. Even just them getting into that RDO position, they're immediately in that extra rotated position. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, no, nah, I want you to correct your hip. I want you to turn that hip down, and they're like, oh, and the movement is 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 confusing to them because they're like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm even. I'm like, no. Yeah. Here's a picture. This is what you look like. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That mm-hmm. that doesn't look like how it's supposed to. And so as soon as they kind of drop that hip in, getting that little bit more internal mm-hmm. hip rotation, that's when they're like, oh. Yeah. There's okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. There's your glute because, yeah. yeah, we'll hear that. But, oh, and then, and we cue that. Like when you turn this hip down, you're going to feel that increased tension on the opposing glute. Yeah. Like you're going to feel that. That should be your automatic response. Mm-hmm. And that when you feel that, that's when you know you're in a good spot. Yes. Right? Even sometimes a connection to the hamstring sometimes. That's yeah, we heard that too. too. Yeah, yeah. Because where people just lose that connection to the hamstring because their default position is dumping that hip outwards. Outward, right? Mm-hmm. Or like when you have someone, you tell somebody to internally rotate the hip and they drop and they turn it once again. Yes. How many times do you see them turn the spine? Mm-hmm. You're like, no, that's not your hip. Yeah. Your hip's down here. Turn this, not upstream. Mm-hmm. Yes. But their brain's like, well, it's easier for me to do this. Mm-hmm. I'll just turn my spine. Yeah. It gives me the same, same sensation positionally in space. Mm-hmm. But you're like, no, there's you can't oh you can't in an airplane, our objective is to open up the hip and close the hip. Yes. But you can't open what's already open. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if it's already open, well then we're already there. Yeah. We gotta teach you to close it so we can teach you how to control that opening and closing of that hip rotation. Mm-hmm. Do you find that people that when they get into that RDL? And they're already open. Do you find that when they close it, when you get them to close that, when they turn their head, that base leg just goes way more ballistic? Typically, yes. Yeah. I say typically, yes. Because automatically, their their sensory input of balance goes out the window because they're so used to defaulting to their outside foot. Typically, then that's the other thing, too, that shift in weight of your foot changes as soon as you yeah. start to kind of close right? the hip. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, I feel so unstable. It's like, yeah, because you utilize getting that foot to stay arched and active, mm-hmm. but utilizing that midline or that medial aspect of your foot as well. So that big toe pressure, too, that's oh, yeah. Out, yeah. that immediately yeah. goes out. And it's, it's funny because you'll see the dancing. Yeah. Or the little, like, the big toes tapping. Yeah. Because it's just trying to figure out what to do, right? <laughs> and you'll see those up and down all the time. Yeah. And you're like, okay, try to like, keep it in contact press it down mm-hmm. right but yeah if, if people don't have that that sense of what their joints are doing they don't know so it's 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 always amusing to me to see the physical reaction <laughs> when people get into these positions that they're not specifically training or spending a decent amount of time training yeah i mean i guess by decent i would say maybe even if you give yourself maybe 45 minutes in a week towards it i guess Maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah, I try to get yeah. people to say, look, spend 10, 15 minutes, like two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah that's, great. that's it. That's, that's a great idea. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot more than you're doing now. Yes. Because it's a love-hate thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're going to hate it. Yeah. But I, it, it's one of those things where as you feel progress, yeah. as the client feels progress, then they get more into, okay, yeah, I'm digging this a little bit more. Yeah. Because I can do it. Right. And that's the key thing, because once you get to learn how to do something and you know that you can achieve it, then it makes it more enjoyable. Because, yeah, yeah, everybody always trades away from the things they're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
also like unless we're teaching are we really doing two hours of isolated hip work a week? no absolutely not. no 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 so coming back from Toronto, I think I think about how much time I spent on the plane. Mm-hmm. And when you're sitting, of course, you know, boom, you're actually rotating out. Some guys, of course, get that really widespread and you're like, hey man, we're on a plane. Close your, <laughs> close, close your shit together, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so you're kind of doing this, right? But then when I got back home, Monday I had two games back to back Monday night, and then Sunday I had another game. So I played three games in 29 hours. Jeez. Yeah. So I was like, yesterday was just Yesterday was one of those days where it was okay. I sat on the ground. I literally did about a half hour worth of just recovery for the hips, T spine, getting everything opened up. So, it was, and then today will be my first day like training, training. Yeah. You know, so now it's going to be working once again. This will put more time into internal rotation. I'll probably spend about a good 10 minutes or so working on that mm-hmm. before I start to get into, into other parts of my workout. Yeah. But yeah, I try to. I personally try to spend probably even on myself a good half hour to forty five minutes of just internal rotation. Yeah, I feel like there's a certain there's a certain amount of medium volume that you need per week mm-hmm. for sure, and probably for the average person for internal rotation, they probably need a whole lot more. They need a, lot. They need a whole lot. More. Yeah, I think yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that external rotation that's everybody's default. So yeah. of course it's super easy to train, mm-hmm. and people look forward to training it, but it's. That internal rotation—that's where you need that restorative it's movement. Uncomfortable too, man. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's never—it's not fun. Yeah, it's never fun. <laughs> no, it, it isn't. It isn't. But the nice thing is, is with with training this thing, just even simple little tools can really help make training internal and external hip rotation a lot more effective, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So not only the sticks, but bands. bands. Yeah. Foam rollers work great. Yeah, and most people have a foam roller yeah. at their house. So a foam roller is a great tool. I mean, I love having people compress the roller with their adductors yeah. and then pull their foot away. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. You can do a seated, like you're not going to go anywhere. You know, I love supine where you then push the roller towards your feet to get the front tissues activated a little yeah. bit more and then do the same thing. Yeah. Your yeah. spine's stable, so you're not loading the spine at all. It's stable. Now you can really focus on the hip flexor internal hip rotator tie-in. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's always good times. People love that one too. Yeah. <laughs> the reaction is always great on that. Oh, yeah. Everybody starts to cramp immediately. Yeah. But it's the safest position to train at internal rotation if somebody's not comfortable being in a seated position. Yeah. So a lot of times when, when I have people who are missing internal rotation, I'll have them do it from a supine position. Oh, then yeah, yeah. Then yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, you're, there's there's no trying to sit upright and trying to make sure it's not it's an up, yeah, upright. You're, you're, flexing. Yeah, you're, you're not moving. You're it's flat. just simply just the hips so i find that's probably the best way to kind of isolate that particular Mm -hmm. movement pattern because one of the other things i'll see when people try to train internal like what we just talked about with the roller moving the foot away into internal rotation their torso Mm -hmm. will shift Mm -hmm. so if you get somebody that tries to compensate with tort with shifting of the leverage of the upper body then take them to the floor to eliminate that now there's no no need shape. for the brain to sense stabilization because now you're stable. So that's another reason why if you see somebody doing that from a seated position, then take them to the floor to eliminate that compensation there. Mm-hmm. So for external rotation, what's your top two exercises? I love putting a block between feet and then you got resistance bands around the knees, compressing the block with my feet and then pulling my knees away from each other. Mm-hmm. So that one, I, that's one of my favorite because then – as you're pulling the knees away, 
depending on the band. So if you got really good mobility, then you're using a thicker, uh, bigger resistance band. But then you have that ability to not only compress the block, but then as you're pulling the knees away, you can pull the block in towards you to really drive. Yeah. Because once again, you're just mimicking a seated position, but you're on your back, so yeah. you're you're fine torso wise, right? Because mm -hmm. we'll see that like some people will compensate when we're, when we're in a seated position. We're telling them to ask them to actively push out to the external rotation. Sometimes you'll see people kind of just leverage their torso into it, right? Mm -hmm. I'll just lean into it. We're like, no, no, I'm not looking for you to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to see you actively pull your hips out to the side. Yeah. What's one of your favorite? One of mine? Actually, with the six. I'd say the abduction with external hip rotation. Mm -hmm. It's super hard. Honestly, like, no matter how much I practice it, for me, I, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Mm. But the reason why I like it is because there's more full body integration into it. So now we're not only getting the, the hip complex, but we're getting that lateral chain that's actually activate now. So for a lot of people where they don't, they don't have that connection of like, all right, now you're going to drop down abduct now start externally rotating from this position the cool thing about that or like a captain morgan or a cool thing about that mm -hmm. is that just you can put them at different hip positions yeah. so now it's not just at 90 degrees or higher now we can go a little bit below if someone doesn't have access to getting their hips that high well the captain morgan is nice too because when you get it out there when you add the lever lengthening yeah where we extend the knee that's yeah. always Super dude, that's always fun to watch people try Ooh. to get into too because they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to external hip rotation. <laughs> right? And they're like, oh Jesus. The pinning the ball, the physio ball on the wall. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Pinning it and then lifting it. That's one of my favorite new ones now, too. Yeah. yeah. Love that one because that's a really good application of, of external rotation with the hip flexion. So mm -hmm. that's one of my favorites too. I really like the uh, elevated pigeon on an incline bench. Yeah, so great one. Starting yeah. with sticks great one. Yeah, and yeah. going through the full motion, but having someone actively, you know, do the hinge, the full mm -hmm. hinge, pushing into the bench, coming out of it, and then eventually take the sticks away, and then eventually load them. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great one too. Um, and then also a side plank with your knees bent and in hip flexion. Mm -hmm. So, so actually, what I'll do is a, a side plank clamshell for people if they're missing external hip rotation. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Glute glute fire it up. Yeah. So that's a that's another good one. That's actually probably like one of my favorite go tos. Yeah. Just because it's super simple, and oftentimes everybody can do it to some varying degree. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, a good exercise if you want to train both is you get into that that hip flexion side plank, right, where you're mm -hmm. talking about kind of clamshell, but you put a band around your feet, feet your yeah. thighs. So now you're training external on one side, internal on the top leg that's floating. Yeah. If you can hold that position, it's, it's, it's hard. really hard. That's hard. Yeah. Really hard. <laughs> really hard. What are some non-gym specific things that you would encourage people to do that are going to really give them that ability to work both internal and external without them actually thinking, knowing that they are, so to speak? Mm. Like for me, hike, like hiking, like, or yeah. I mean, it's not, like rock climbing, rock so to speak. Climbing. Right? We know that for us, I think we all agree that's probably one of the top things you can do. Yeah. Yes. But sure. there's a lot of people that right now they're like, I don't do it. Like I'm not doing it. 99% of the listeners. <laughs> they're like, I'm not doing that, right? Yeah. Even indoor, I'm not doing it because yeah. they're just not comfortable with being off the ground, right? Absolutely. And that's something we know. Like, a lot of people just aren't into that, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, taking into account people that aren't going to go to a climbing gym, mm -hmm. what is something that they could do that's going to give them the properties that, that we're talking about? I mean, hiking for sure. Hiking yeah. for sure. But the terrain has to be 
It has to be challenging, though, be challenging. right? And that I think that's the thing of hiking that is once again of of an aspect of progressive overload, so to speak. Yes. Right? You got to tell people, look, just go out an easy trail first, mm-hmm. light incline, light decline for a substantial amount of time. Mm-hmm. Get used to that, and then start thinking about okay, more incline, and then more of that really different terrain, so to speak, right? Versus getting kind of off a set trail, so to speak, versus kind of figuring a new trail out, you know? And areas where maybe a little bit rockier, where you're going to have to gauge different steps, Mm -hmm. right? One step, you may be stepping up in 30 degrees of inflection. The very next step, you may be asked to bring that hip up into 100 uh, and 10 degrees of hip flexion, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think only only thing I could think of on top of my head is kind of like an omnidirectional step up. If, mm. if someone's doing, like, if someone's doing, let's say they're, they're not going high. Okay. They're like, what's the, what do I have access to? Everybody has access to a, a step of some kind. Yeah. But if they're doing like some kind of an omnidirectional, either in, in whatever direction, but typically going lateral. Mm-hmm. I'd say mostly going lateral getting able to being comfortable with learning how to shift their weight into that hip and then kind of shifting back and forth. I feel like that would be probably a good way to kind of load mm-hmm. external hip rotation, but also work on an stability factor. Mm. Yeah, that would work too. I think not a lot of people are going to go do this, but no. go fencing. Right. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. basically all external rotation all the time. Maybe dancing. Dancing would do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I think dancing is is something that most humans are musically inclined at some level. Yeah. Right? At some level. But yeah, get out of shit, even if it's in your own house where nobody sees you, you know, you don't have that confidence to go out in public and dance. Fuck it. You're in your own home. Yeah. Turn the music up. You know, I mean, I think we all did it as kids. I mean, I grew up in the MTV generation, so I sure as shit did that, right? You know, you're watching the videos and you're like, you're trying to mimic the same dance moves, right? Oh, yeah. But you're like you moving your joints the way you, you should move your joints, right? And you're not even thinking about it because you're watching something and you're just grooving to the music. Yeah. I think that's something. I, I always love encouraging people to get out and do a little more dancing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Right. What other? I'm trying I don't to know. Think, it's it's, it's tough to other thing. Because I think other things, you maybe need a combination of certain things, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you know, do some swimming and then maybe play some tennis, mm-hmm. right? You know, you got one that's supported, your weight is kind of supported by the water, but then you got another one, then you, then you go a little bit more ballistic, yeah. a little more lateral movement that we're kind of missing out on. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to kind of find maybe two or three different things that maybe blend together and offset each other, so to speak. Yeah. Right? One activity will give you these traits, but maybe misses out on these traits, but now this other activity will, will hit those other things, right? Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of people, all I do is bike. Mm-hmm. Right, they'll be like, I, I'm a cyclist. Okay, well, let's do something. Get you off the bike. Not that the bike's not fine. Like you love your biking, great. Mm-hmm. Now let's find some other stuff that's going to offset the the biking. Yeah. Right. Like we want to we want to accentuate. Like we want to be a nice complement to that. But what are the things that you're not getting on the bike? And now let's find another activity that's going to give you those qualities. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like go build stuff. You know. Yeah. Or go do yard work because you get you get everything when you do that. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, yard work, gardening. That's a big. That's a big activity. A lot of people. Well, some people hire gardeners. I think around here, yeah. most people hire, hire gardeners. gardeners. 
Yeah. But yeah, if you have the the gumption and the wherewithal, I should say the knowledge mm-hmm. to tend your own garden, then yeah, that'd be a great activity. But I think those are things that people should start to think about. Okay, what are some things that I can do that are going to give me a nice blend of all sorts of stuff? Well, the simplest thing, well, another thing that comes to mind is your kids. Oh, yeah. Play with your kids, man. Yeah, go, yeah, go, yeah. Just go do the I, same stuff that they do. Like, play around with them. Oh, for move sure. with them. Kids get in quote-unquote extreme positions all the time but yeah we can't probably can't do that as adults but mimic them a little bit yeah play around with them like you know be on the ground move around just do different things because you're going to hit all those same positions or get the same stimulus at least for Mm -hmm. some of those positions Mm -hmm. that we can't get through convenient conventional exercise yeah man running through some of these playgrounds chasing the kids and you're like I have to duck and run. Well, yeah, you got to duck and run, yeah, right? But you see them go through these things, and you see them make these hard cuts. Yeah. Ooh, I can't make that hard of a cut. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's the benefit of youth and age. Yeah. Youth yeah. over age, right? I mean, yeah. youth has it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hoping to, that we can still keep that mm-hmm. mindset as they get older. And we hope that knowing what we know – our yeah. th- hope is for youngsters to continue to hold on to that mm-hmm. perspective of movement and really fun. Yes. Right? It's about having enjoying what you're doing, right? Yeah. It's, and it, that's going to be fun mm-hmm. as a parent, like just playing around with your kid. Yeah. Invited to play around, chase them around. Like, you guys remember the game uh, Lava Monster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shit, man. yeah. yeah, like, yeah. like you're just going around, you know, moving in different ways, mm-hmm. shuffling different things or whatever. If you can handle that kind of stuff or just really, really low impact versions of it, why not do it? I know. Yeah. You're going to get your heart rate up, so you're going to get great, great amount of exercise. Your body's going to get a ton of stimulus, mm-hmm. but it's an enjoyable process that doesn't feel like it's exercise. And yeah. I feel like that part is important. And it truly is like unpredictable movement. Absolutely. It is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have someone that you come across that has habitual low back pain but everything they're doing we hear this all the time i go to a chiropractor i get adjusted all the time Mm -hmm. then i think for me personally i'm always like okay well fix the hips Mm -hmm. what are your hips not doing i think that's one of the biggest things that for people that have chronic back issues chubbs peterson said it the best it's all in the hips. Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, the man lost his hand to a crocodile. But yeah, I mean, so he's right. It's yes. all in the hips. Not all in the hips, but it's a good amount of it's in the hips. Yeah. And if your hips are stiff and they don't move, well, think about that chain effect upstream. So mm-hmm. instead of th- targeting the symptom area all the time, yes. think about what's taking place below that. Remember, that spine sits on top of your hips. Mm-hmm. So what are your hips not doing? So Give your hips a little bit more mobility, a little bit usable range of motion, and see what happens upstream. That's that's just my personal piece of advice for people that have chronic back issues. Yeah. I mean, that's my race. biggest focus for people, too. Absolutely. So. Yeah, which is a little different because I don't think a lot of when they come see us, uh, they're not expecting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got to get my core better. And you're like, that's... Yeah, your hips are pretty crucial. Yeah. But I get I hear the same thing. Yeah. My doctor said I gotta strengthen my core. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did the old nod and sure, sure. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> you tell your doctor we're gonna fix that core right up. All right. Let's get into the hips. <laughs> like let's yeah. let's figure out what's going on here or let's figure out what's not going on there. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause if we feel it in our own bodies, mm-hmm. you know, we do this. For a living, 
I mean, then we think about what everybody else is going to feel that doesn't do what we do for a living mm -hmm. and doesn't have the time to, to put in like we do. Any last thoughts on that? Any words, any sage advice on? Oh, man. <laughs> train everything. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, train, yeah, yeah, train right? everything, man. Don't be afraid to train to uncomfortable, particularly to uncomfortable shit. Train mm -hmm. that. Get decent or pretty good at that. Then start doing all the stuff that yeah. you're good at. Uh, you know, just always check in with all your joints. Like mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta do like little mini assessments every day, and you, you'll come up with those. Like just, it could just be whether it's a hip car or mm -hmm. doing the stick taps or something like that. You'll know. You should know. And then when your body tells you, "Ooh, that, that's not as easy as it used to be," mm -hmm. go train it. Go train it. Yes. Don't avoid it. Yes. And that's a key thing there. Don't run away from your issues because guess what? Those issues aren't going to go away. It's not like the issues are going to be like, oh, they're ignoring me. Okay, yeah. so I, I won't have any effect on that person. That's not the way issues work, folks. Issues will just keep compounding and compounding and compounding. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have joints that don't understand their roles, well, if you avoid it, it's only they're only going to disconnect even farther yeah. is that it's not going to resolve itself yeah so that's the thing so find that balance if you get something that you know you don't do very well then take care of it and if that's just a few minutes a day then remember it's, you're not doing it for anybody else mm -hmm. and, and that's what I, they always tell my clients i'm like do it for yourself you're not doing it for me mm -hmm. don't do that work thinking oh dennis told me i need to do this no you need to do that for you mm -hmm. uh, i'm good yeah. Like, I, I get out of bed every morning. I'm good. Like, I'm not the one that need do this for you and nobody else. Right? Well, thank you for joining us. And until next episode, be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class.